it live. Okay. Well, do it live. I can. I'll write it and we'll do it live. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike your match, and oh, should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things that are important to the world of barbecue and grilling. The show originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city, Bomb City, USA, Cleveland, Ohio. The barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evenings live fire fun and frivolity show. If you want to get in contact with me this evening or follow the show during off-show hours, here's how you do all that. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to Greg at the BBQ centralshow.com follow us on all the social media channels at bbq central show and be sure to subscribe to the show podcast feed on your favorite podcast platform anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website the bbq centralshow.com and here's what's happening in case you can get the newsletter coming up in about 12 minutes from now he is a semi-frequent guest here on this show over the last couple years especially when our first Tuesday of the month regular guest is out of pocket, he is the pitmaster of Swine Life Barbecue, the creator of the same named YouTube channel, and much more. It is Mark Williams joining the show. So we have plenty to talk about with Mark topic-wise. We're going to be re-delving into the long hold or the long low hold of briskets that we delved into a little bit with Malcolm last month, but there was a lot of reaction from the crowd going up. I need to know more about that. What kind of oven do I need? What real temperature should I be holding at? Do I need to put a water pan in my oven? Lots and lots of additional questions sparked up over that conversation last month. And since uh, Mark was on Malcolm's podcast when they originally talked about it, or at least when I originally heard about it, figured why not? Talk about it with Mark, since that's a topic he's well-versed on. We'll also talk about some competition stuff. Mark is a participator in Memphis in May, so we'll get his hot take on where that's sitting right now. And a bunch of other stuff as well. So Mark Williams rolling and leading off the show here, coming up here shortly. And then, after Mark, we will keep it down in the Mississippi... Memphis area as we welcome back, believe it or not, Melissa Cookston to the show. I think it's been a four-year layoff since last we had Melissa Cookston on, the winningest woman in barbecue, the pitmaster of Yazoo's Delta Q, owner of Barbecue Supply Store, owner of multiple restaurants. You know the resume. Barbecue Hall of Famer. I believe Barbecue Central Show's guest Hall of Famer as well. And uh, we'll play a little catch-up. She's got a uh, event coming up here, the World Junior Barbecue League World Championships. 
That's coming up at the end of the month. We're going to be talking about that, how that whole thing got started, why she's championing that. We'll talk a little business. We'll talk a little TV. We will also talk a little Memphis in May with her since she's taken part in that ever since I've known her and she's won it a couple different times as well. As far as the overall grand championship, won hog a number of times. We all know Melissa. So that'll bring a wrap to the first hour, and then we'll go to the second hour. And joining me in the leadoff segment, the co-creator of Fireboard Labs and Fireboard the Product, Ted Conrad, will rejoin us. Ted was up at the American Royal this past weekend, if you didn't know that. The Invitational and Open took place over this past weekend out there at the Kansas Speedway. Ted had a booth out there. I believe it was shared with Burnt Finger Barbecue. They had like a together booth so we'll talk about his takeaways from the 2023 world championship of the american hall of fame there Um, at the american royal of course the barbecue hall of fame ceremonies took place where the inductees and legacy members were uh were not the inductees per se i mean they were all inductees right so the living inductees you had the legacy inductees as well and then the Impact Award going to Ray Bass over the barbecue forum. So we'll talk, see if he got around any of that, get his takeaway from a business perspective, because he's there as fireboard. Like, why is he not cooking competitively there? I know that. So is he trying to snag some dealers along the way? We'll talk to Ted about all that. Plus, there's a new product that we need to talk about. So we'll give a mention to that as well. And we'll be closing the show with our pal, who is new to the show last year, but really producing some top-notch YouTube content, not in a frequency standpoint, but when he has a topic and he's ready to talk, boy, does he dive into it and put all the science to it. Our pal at Combustion Inc., Chris Young, will join us once more. We're going to cover a topic tonight that's going to blow your mind. You've seen it all over the place. Foodies are doing it. Train chefs have been doing it for decades and decades, if not longer than that. When they're finishing a steak in a cast iron pan, they throw globs of butter in there and then they're basting all of that nonsense. We'll talk to Chris who put it through the paces recently and has information that might just shake the very foundations of how you think about a steak needs to be finished or how a steak needs to be finished in a cast iron pan. There's some other ancillary or shoot off topics that we're going to be touching on that are strictly related to the butter, but will become their own experiments as well as Chris and I were doing a sound check. So very excited to get together with him and close out the show in that fashion. Mark Williams, Melissa Cookston, first hour, Ted Conrad, Chris Young, second hour. Don't forget, you can follow me socially, Instagram, X, TikTok, Snapchat, all at BBQ Central Show. We say good evening to those of you watching tonight through one of the video streaming platforms. You can go to Facebook or Twitch slash BBQ Central Show. You can also watch on Facebook or I'm sorry, on YouTube, which is youtube.com slash at BBQ Central Show. And we do have a YouTube poll question of the week. Piggybacking off of one of the 100% assurity questions from last week that we asked the embedded correspondent and in-studio guest Jason Baker, I'm asking everybody this here this evening. Not returning your cart to the cart corral is worse than not covering your cooker 40% of you are saying yes, but 60% of you are saying no. It's not worse. That's up for hot debate. And we're going to broach that topic with Mark Williams as we come out of the first break. I thought it would be more of a yes that it is, considering the stance I took on it. I thought a little little more of you were like-minded in my thinking. 
and Rusty, by the way, who was even more hotly on top of saying, hey, cart corral non-returners, I don't even know if that was right English. If you're not returning your cart to the cart corral, there were only two sectors of non-humans above you as far as Rusty was concerned, murderers and rapists, and then it was people that don't return carts to the cart corral. So we'll get Mark Williams' opinion here in just a bit, and we'll continue to track the poll here through the evening, although it is now going 57% no's and 43% yeses. So let's start here this evening before we get to the first break and then welcome in the pit master of swine life barbecue, Mark Williams. Talk about creating a monster, but instead of complaining about it, I'm going to take a different approach here. I'm going to say, to each and every one of you that sent me an email that sounded something like this. Can someone get Jason Baker a coaster or a book or a mouse pad or something to put that coffee cup down on so it's not so loud? You're welcome. Yes. My audio snobs, thank you for validating What I have worked so hard to do, lo these many years, dare I say decades, which is create a generation of audio consumers who can not only discern good versus bad audio, that's hard enough, but feel comfortable enough in their own snobness to then reach out to the content creators of those shows and really let them have it. Bravo to you, Centralites. You have finally cemented yourselves into a group of audio aficionados, which not only expect good audio, you are now demanding it directly from the content creators you give your time to listen to. Why should you have to suffer through an average or usually below average audio experience anymore? It's too easy in this day and age. To not have sound that is anything less than studio quality audio going through your ear holes. It's unacceptable. Thank you, Central Lights. Thank you for not only hearing my message, but thank you for taking this to the next level and demanding audio that is studio quality. And if that has to be pointed out to me, because Jason's coffee cup hit the desk that I put, I've already made adjustments for the next guest. There were probably no other guests ever, but I have already made adjustments because I know you demand superior audio, withstanding no excuses. Forget it. I hear you. All right, we got Mark Williams coming up. Are you tired? Let me ask you another question. Are you tired of settling for mediocre grilling experiences? Yes. It's time to step up your game. Bring the ultimate flavor and cooker to the backyard barbecues. Pits and Spits Charcoal Grills offering the highest quality live fire cooking experience you can get in the market today. Using either wood or charcoal, their solid fuel grills produce those classic flavors you're looking for when you have the time to fire up the grill and cook for family and friends. With a large adjustable fuel tray, you can raise and lower the fire to control that fine-tuned heat. What? You can raise and lower the fire to control and fine-tune the heat. That's right. 
their take on the very popular Santa Maria-style grills that you're seeing out there. Check them out, pitsandspits.com slash Central. And when you're spelling out pits and spits, it's the double T on the pits and the spits slash Central, And use promo code charcoal central, all one word, charcoal central for 150 bucks off any charcoal grill on the website. What have we learned? Pits and Spits grills are phenomenal. You might cry as you shuck out initially, but generations will thank you. You'll be the live fire hero for great grandkids and great, great grandkids. And your offspring will be fist fighting on who gets the Pits and Spits charcoal grill when you're dead. Oh, by the way, that's happening too. We're all going to die. But before we do that, save 150 bucks off when you use promo code charcoal central at checkout when you're buying any charcoal grill at pitsandspits.com slash bbq central once again that's pitsandspits.com slash bbq central we're back with mark williams right after this stick around we'll be right back you're listening to the barbecue central show Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Show Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. You visit CookinPellets.com and find out about all of their products. And then when you're ready to purchase especially pellets, go to Lowe's.com or Amazon.com or Walmart.com. Same great selection, even better shipping rates than you can get on CookinPellets.com. And Chris Becker tells me to say that. Not some scam or weirdo deal. All on the level, cookingpellets.com, and then buy from Amazon.com, Lowe's.com, or Walmart.com. My first guest tonight, an award-winning championship pitmaster, an aspiring YouTube star, and might be one of the very few I eat milk cows and like it guys out there today. We welcome back our friends, Mark Williams. All right, Mark, so we have a YouTube poll question of the week that we're asking all guests and all watchers of the show through YouTube and Facebook if they're looking at it, which is this. Not returning your cart to the cart corral is worse than not covering your grills and cookers, yes or no? Man. I can go ahead and tell you, if you're not returning your cart, you're not covering your pit up either. So, or maybe not even brushing your teeth. So. Yes, I mean, come on. You are a terrible human being by all accounts. I didn't even think about that, Mark. But if you had to discern who's worse, is not cover the grill guy worse or is not returning the cart to the cart corral guy worse? I must say not returning the cart. Yes, of course. I got to go with that. Of course, but 62% of YouTube watchers and voters are saying no. They don't think it's worse than not covering your grill. But I wholeheartedly disagree. I'm solely in the Mark Williams camp on this. But somehow we will move on with this conversation. So first of all, <laughs> uh, always happy to have you stop by the show and lend your live fire takes here. So I uh, appreciate you making time. I'm not here to beat a dead milk cow. 
But, Mark, you were supposed to be having a line on milk cows for like a year now. I mean, what's a gal got to do to get some milk cow meat in his hands? So, if it was in my backyard, I could get them to you. <laughs> but I have to go to Indiana to get them, and it's been, it's been hectic. So, mm. 100% my fault. I will get you a milk cow ribeye at some point or another. What, what's made it even worse is that last time Jess Pryles was on, so we're going about three months from now, she was in, uh, she was traveling around, maybe she was in New Zealand or maybe it was Australia, her hometown, and she made special mention, unprovoked, of having a milk cow and went on to explain that it had a very dynamic taste, not in a bad way, was smaller, like you've mentioned, and I said, geez, I only know one other person on the whole face of the earth that's had milk cows and really touted them so that made me even more anxious to get my hands on milk cows so do we see it by the end of 2024 or 2023 or is it more like by the end of 2024 so i know i'll be up there two more times this year for sure right before the end of the year and how far are you from how far are you from south bend that's on the way to uh indy it's probably three hours we can make it happen. Worst case, I will drive it to you. We're going to meet somewhere that makes sense for both of us. We're going to yes. have milk cow steaks. Oh, my God. This is going to be great. All right. I'm going to hold you to it. And if Consider you don't do it, it, done. If you don't do it, I'll just bring it up every other time you're on the show. And then at some point, we'll either do it or we won't. Do you have any opinions? Because you're a big Memphis and May guy. You have been for a very long time competing at part of the How to Barbecue Right team. I think you've probably competed by yourself as well, right? Or you don't even compete with Malcolm during Memphis and May, do you? You do it on your own. No, Memphis. No, we compete with Malcolm, or okay. I cook with Malcolm. Let me rephrase that. So that's a that's a team effort on that one. This has been a year unlike any other from a news perspective and a host's perspective. It's been the best year ever because it seems like every week or every few days there's a new piece of content that's coming out about what's happened over this past 2023 Memphis in May with all the damage and. You have one side of it where Memphis and May seems to be very tight-lipped about releasing any information or any of their thoughts on how this whole thing has happened, except that they've received a huge damage bill. They've filed a claim with their insurance company, and that's all we know. And then you have Memphis River Parks, who is freely flowing with their opinions, with what the facts are according to them, writing through various uh, news media outlets through WREG. They email back and forth with me. The CEO replied back to a comment I had on a LinkedIn post one time. So they're freely exchanging uh, opinions there. As someone who takes part in it, especially this one this past year, was it as bad as it's being made out to be, especially for the folks that weren't there, number one? And then number two, it's not going back to Tom Lee Park. That's been voted on by all the different competition cooks through a, a vote that took place i think it was late last week and the results were back friday so it's going to to liberty park we'll get to that here in a second but what did you think as you were leaving did it seem decimated no not even close i mean yeah it was muddy but it's grass like come on now like fix the grass don't worry about it they talked about all the landscape being tore up it was all fenced off and marked off anyway you couldn't get to it and it's 
it's a crock, man. What about uh, the the amount of cement? Five hundred thousand dollars in cement. I think there was three or four hundred thousand dollars in asphalt. Eighty thousand dollars in irrigation systems, and the list goes on. It sounds like the half-ass done it to begin with. <laughs> I mean, plain and simple. If concrete can't hold up to a barbecue trailer, then you need to find another concrete guy. Going to Liberty, I think it was Liberty Park was uh, the, the place that was voted on. 77% of cooks said that that's where they wanted to go. So excuse my ignorance here, but is this one in the same as Tiger Lane or Tiger Alley or whatever they call it? Yeah, it's Tiger Lane. Tiger Lane. And I'm not, I'm not looking forward to that either because it was horrendous last time I was there. But I don't know what people love about that place other than you got to avoid bullets and gunshots. But other than that, I mean, <laughs> I guess if you don't cook barbecue there, go for it. So in your estimation, this is uh, not necessarily the most savory part of town from a safety standpoint. No, no, not even close. Hmm. Which, I mean, really, I mean, it's bad to say, but Memphis itself has just gotten so it's it's gotten so bad here lately. I try to stay out of Memphis as much as I can. And, you know, it's just it's not my cup of tea. So I don't look forward to it being at Tiger Lane. We'll go up there and do what we got to do. But it's not it's not going to be the same as being on the river. And there's so many other venues, I feel like, that are way better so i don't really look forward to it i was trying to remember some of the other options there didn't seem to be a host of other options maybe three uh maybe four that i think it was voting on yeah i think it was the agri center um not sure really why that wasn't kind of considered more but just because of the location wise um then the other was the old memphis motorsports park which logistically i could see where that would take a lot to make that happen Mm. Um, I mean, Tiger Lane is set up for it. It's just the location is terrible because there's really nothing, nowhere to stay. There's not really that many restaurants close by, so you're going to have to stay miles away. And it's just, it's not the same. I mean, the river is what makes Memphis and May, and I'll stand by that. We'll see what happens. I'm very excited to see how this whole thing turns out. I would like to dig a little bit further into this thing that Malcolm and I talked about last month which was a topic that I got from listening to his podcast, which you were a part of at that point. And I'm calling it the the long holding of brisket. So I've heard you get the brisket off, hold it for an hour, at least hold it for four hours. At least this one was quite a departure. Hold it for 12 hours or 16 hours, 24, uh, 24 at, uh, at 150 degree oven or 160 degree oven. So, where were you hearing about this first, or is this something that you just normally practiced? And then how can we implement it into our own brisket cooks at home to give it a try? Well, a lot of it goes back to the Texas style restaurants. You know, they're cooking, to my best of my knowledge, they're cooking, you know, the briskets today for tomorrow. So they're cooking them during the day, throwing them in a proofing oven, setting it whatever temp they desire, 140, 150, and holding them at least 12 hours. And mm-hmm. You know, as long as you're above that 140, which me personally, I would like to be around 160, you know, you're safe. But I've done it. I've done it up to about 18 hours, probably the longest I've ever held one. Uh, I've held one in a sous vide much longer, but it's it it changes the brisket game, man. It's all that fat renders. And it's just it's a it's one of the most, I guess, savory, just melt in your mouth briskets I believe you could have. So you've just brought up a whole new topic that I didn't think we were going to get into, and I'm going to try and remember and circle back to that, which was the sous vide brisket. 
we've talked about sous vide a couple different times with various sous vide experts, but this is this might be a little different spin on that. So when you're taking it off, are you? Does it have to be in butcher paper? Does it have to be in foil? Does it not matter? It's just got to get into that oven around 160 degrees and then just let it go to sleep for 12 or 24 hours. So as long as you don't have a heavy airflow or like a strong convection. So if you're using your oven at home, I would say I would want to tin it at least if the convection fan is on because you don't want to dry it out. Um, if it's just a proof and oven design for that, mm. I've held them, you know, just open in a pan. I've held them in butcher paper. I've held them in full. It really doesn't matter um, because you're just creating a moist environment. Those proofing ovens that I've used before actually have a steam water tray in the bottom that you fill it up with water, set it to 150 and you walk away. And it's, it just, it gives it, it gives it all the time in the world for everything just to calm down and the brisket actually gets more tender, but it doesn't fall apart if that makes sense. So when you get it off the cooker, get it into the oven, these proofing ovens that you're talking about, at least the ones that I've seen, I have a couple of buddies that own barbecue restaurants here locally, Cleveland, that are actually very good. But there is some type of humidity element in these uh, Alto shams or whatever the hell you call them. I don't have that available. So I can get my oven down to even 150 or 140 degrees, but there's no humidity element to that. So do I want to stick a pan of water in there? I mean, it's not going to be at a rolling boil by any stretch of the imagination so is it really adding anything to that or is that just making me feel good so as long as you don't have a fan on like your convection fan mm -hmm. as long as it's just on standard bake at 170 or 150 or however low your oven can go no bigger than that oven is it's going to create its own moisture from the brisket mm -hmm. so you'll be fine when you open it up in the morning steam will come out of that oven have you found a sweet spot in regards to both hold time and when you feel that brisket has been the best at these extended hold testings not really a sweet spot i would say the best i've actually done and cooked and i thought was like dang like that's one for the books that's one you remember was about 14 hours and it just happened to be a9 from kevin and it mm -hmm. was out of this world i mean it was one of them deals like you would hurt yourself eating it it was so rich, but you wanted to go back for more. And you'd say, all right, I'm done. Yep. And you go back for more. So it was one that punished punish you briskets. Is it a whole packer that you're cooking like this? Yeah. The way I do that, yes. Yeah. So if you don't have an oven that you can spool back to holding temperatures, uh, let's say you know it's 800, maybe it's 200 degrees. I think the first oven I ever had might have started at 200, maybe even 225. Is there anything you can do to overcome that, or do you want to look at doing a hold in a whole different environment at that point? It's going to be tough because 200 is going to take the chance of really overcooking that brisket. So I would try just until you can, I'd say 175 would be as high as I'd want to go. So until you can get that, now my oven only go to 170. And so what I do is actually take a pan and put in a pan and I put another pan on top of it, just flip it upside down and kind of shield it. And I've actually left a dot in there on top of it. It'll stay about 160 and check your oven because most ovens aren't that accurate. So you might be good. So you might be around the 175, even though it is saying 200. For uh, what about doing the cooler method? Is that not a, a great option? 
dry cooler towels, uh, you're good air for gaps. Safe, safely six hours. Mm. And I would, I would leave a thermometer in it just to watch it. You know, once you hit that 140, get it out. You know, you got to either go in the refrigerator, eat it, one of the two. So I would say six to eight hours max in a cooler if it is a good insulated cooler. Now, from a brisket cooking perspective, you're more, at least for competitions, you've adopted more of a, a hot and fast style. Yes, sir. Is that what you're doing regardless Usually, if you're making brisket in the backyard? Like if you're going to make one of these hold briskets, are you hot and fast with that as well? If I'm going to be up with it, yes, I'm cooking hot and fast. Mm. If it's a set it and forget it, throw it in a pellet grill, I'll throw it around 200, 225 and go to bed. But if I'm going to be up with it, say I'm cooking it during the day, yes, I'm going to be hot and fast. For a backyard eating brisket, what are the key points in cooking a not only good but I think good also needs to be linked in with consistent. So how do you get those together, in your opinion? The first thing is know the pit. So whatever you're cooking on, make sure you're comfortable and confident with that pit because you definitely don't want to oversmoke brisket. And be patient because that's the key with brisket. Everybody asks, like, man, my brisket was tight. Well, you're not patient. You're, you're not allowing yourself enough time. So be patient, give you plenty of time, and always plan for rest. Like I said, we can hold a brisket six to eight hours. So if it gets done early, who cares? But just get it tender. And I mean, don't be scared of salt and pepper. That's that's what everybody runs, but make it your own. When I was getting into the barbecue arena, there was a lot of impetus put on specific internal time or internal temperature measurements. You got to get it to two thousand. 2004 degrees. It's nothing. You got to get it to 204. <laughs> It'll be tender. <laughs> you got to get it to 210 or something like this. And then it started to dial back to use the number as a guide, but you want to stick the probe in. And if it's probing like butter, I mean, I don't even know what this means. It seems like there's such a, a short window to either get it's like butter to now it's gone into pot roast. So what's the magic there? I think it's, again, we've talked about this before, is the temperature you're cooking at. The lower temperature you cook, the lower the finish temp's going to be. So temperature is a guideline, but just know in the back of your mind, if you're 250 and under, you probably need to start checking that brisket at about 205. Mm. Um, if you're 250 and over, it's going to go to 208, 210. I mean, I've had briskets go to 212. So that is the biggest thing. And I kind of look at it a different way. A lot of people is like, I don't want to spend the money on a Wagyu or a prime brisket because I'm scared I'm going to screw it up. Well, they have such more room for error on those better quality briskets to where you're most likely not going to screw it up. Mm. But a select grade, you have a very small window that it's going to be dry or tough. So that's where you get gun shy at that point because you're cooking a cheaper brisket, but it's a lot easier to screw a cheaper brisket up than it is a good brisket. What's the competition season been like for you in 2023? It's been busy. Um, it kind of snowballed into something I really wasn't expecting. I told you earlier, you know, we've done a lot of practices for Memphis May cooking hog. And guess what? It is October and I'm still cooking hog. And we're we're going to finish the NBN year out and just kind of see where the cards lay. We, we've got a good run in ribs. Um, hog, we don't really have a chance to take first over. The two guys in front of me are pretty much dominating. Um, we've had a Great year cooking, and we learned a lot. But we're going we're going to make a push for ribs these last five contests. Is there a shot at you getting overall Memphis Barbecue Network Team of the Year? Uh, no, no. Um, most likely, hog a hog team will take that just because mm. the points are so much higher. Um, the only thing we have a shot in is we if we 
continue to do good and have a little bit of luck on our side, we may be able to get a first place team of the year rib, maybe. But that's a long shot. We still we still got five contests to go. Will you try and parlay this newfound infatuation with Memphis Barbecue Network into next year and making a, a push to win? It's a possibility. We're going we're gonna to see how it goes. I mean, I still love KCBS because I always want to cook KCBS enough to try to go back to the jack every year. So, you know, we're going to do a handful of those. We really didn't get an opportunity to this year. We cooked a few, but it's the good thing about NBN, it's in my backyard. Yeah. I mean, most contests are within an hour of my of me, so that's that's convenient. You can go down there, cook one meat, not really have a lot of pressure on you. Just go have a good time and fellowship, you know? From the KCBS standpoint, you you mentioned you like to cook it so you can get out to try your best to cook the jack every year. American Royal took place this past weekend. If you had the choice to win American Royal Invitational or Jack Daniels overall grand championship, which one do you choose and why? Jack all day long. Really? Yes. Why? I, I mean, I would because it's the odds are stacked against you. So unless you get an auto. You still got to be lucky. You know, you still have to win a state championship and you still have to get your bung to be draw. So the odds of you getting to the jack are just so much further out there, in my opinion. It's 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 so hard to get to that level. And, oh, it's definitely, I think the competition is way stouter at the Royal, no doubt. But it's something about the jack. And, I mean, I've always been fascinated with the jack. And it's one of them things, it's, it's the... It's the memorabilia. It's it's the being in the hollow. It's just the location, the time of year. That's the best time to cook barbecue, in my opinion. Mark Williams is the pitmaster of Swine Life Barbecue, the website, so you can pick up some of his swag and some of his rubs, swinelifebbq.com. Mark, always appreciate the time. Thanks for coming in tonight. Yes, sir. Appreciate it, Greg. Have a good one. It's Mark Williams right there. Friend of the show, uh, always doing a great job when Malcolm is not available to come in. So a lot of good brisket tips there, and we'll wish him good luck as he chases down MBN rib team. Or first in the ribs. So we wish him good luck. Melissa Cookston is ready to go. Get to her in just one second. Before we do that, what do we love about ceramic cookers? We love that they are fuel efficient. Yes, we love that they can achieve low and slow temperatures for traditional barbecue meats. We also love that they can get very hot for the temperature for the traditional temperature, high heat temperatures, grilling steaks and other things. Cut to what's missing in the everyday ceramic cooker lineup, the real ability to do true two-zone cooking. Two-zone cooking is very important to both professional backyard cooks alike. It's the best way to manage a fire and cook with confidence. However, getting a two-zone fire and a round ceramic cooker is not very realistic. Why? Because it's round. And a Primo grill and the game-changing oval design, the shape gives you the ability to execute a two-zone setup that you desire. It also gives you the other ceramic grill benefits as well. 60 different ways to cook on this thing. All the accessories that you want, but only sold through dealers. So find one near you. Go to the website, Primo grill.com that's primogrill.com use the dealer locator and then check out that store see all the different size ovals to pick the one that's best for you don't forget to outfit yourself with all those accessories that they probably have and away you go you'll be a convert very quickly just like me primogrill.com that's primogrill.com we're back with melissa cookston right after this stick around be right back you're listening to the barbecue central show
Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rempe. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. I want to thank Mark Williams for joining us last segment. This portion of the show being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring. If you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your home, Fireboard fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. And we'll talk to Ted Conrad in uh, just under an hour from now. My next guest, known as the winningest woman in barbecue, written books, starred in numerous television shows, owns restaurants, also has a barbecue supply store, and after Memphis in May this year, has called it a competition career and officially retired. I'm excited to welcome back friend of the show, Melissa Cookston. So we got plenty to talk about, Melissa. But before we do any of that, we have a YouTube poll question of the week that we're asking all guests and everybody watching, which is this. Is not returning your cart to the cart corral worse than not covering your grills and cookers? It's all just real bad. Yes, of course. This is terrible. Mark Williams and I were just discussing if if you're not returning carts to the cart corral, there's a really good chance you're probably not covering your grills as well. It's a mark of a terrible human. Yeah, um, I think I'm probably better at returning my carts to the corral than I am covering my grills. Yes, well, I mean, that's, that's why you're a wonderful human. The car to the car. 60% of the people watching on YouTube, however, are in disagreement with us so far, saying that it's uh, it's not worse than not covering your grills, but we'll see how that tracks through the rest of the show. So, as I had mentioned in the open, you've officially retired from the competition barbecue scene. If you look back over your storied career, are there one or two things that stand out to you specifically over and above everything else that you've accomplished? Uh, the Hall of Fame induction was, was uh, you know, I'm not a crier, and, and I, I teared up during that. So that that's one. And then winning Memphis in May um, is always like the first time. So both of those things were, were pretty epic for me. Is Pete retired from competition barbecue as well? <laughs> you know, that's a good question. Yeah. You don't have to ask him that. Yeah. See, yeah. I don't know how many people know that, you know, prior to your dominance, Pete was cooking competition barbecue, uh, like prior to you getting on board. And then you like created a whole bunch of great success, won a whole bunch of world titles and all this other stuff. So hearing you retiring is one thing, but wondering if Pete is retiring could be a whole different thing altogether. Yeah, he and my daughter, uh, they asked me consistently, are you sure? Are you sure? I'm like, I'm sh- I'm damn sure. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> Were you at the Royal this past weekend? I was not. I yeah. had a, a, a conflict. So this is the first time I haven't been in a few years. Would you show up just to like hang out and, and see people? Or will you just stay away? That's all I do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I cooked it twice. Um, it's hard for me to go to competitions and not turn boxes in. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, it's it, it's a huge, huge family reunion. It is one of the best events that I've ever been to. It's fantastic. So we talked about Memphis and May being the last of the competitions. And obviously this year was a little weird. I was asking Mark Williams about what he thought. Just from your perspective, as you were leaving there this year, 
Was the damage as extensive as you read in these damage reports and then subsequent invoices to Memphis of May, in your opinion? Not in my opinion, no. no. And I mean, how much do do weeds and wildflowers cost? I mean, <laughs> weeds cost zero for me to plant in my front yard. I can tell you that. <laughs> I don't know. It's so Tom Lee Park is out. Well, we've seen that. I've gotten some emails from some of the other barbecue cooks that were being corresponded with through the Memphis and May folks, and they were voting on a new place to go. Uh, Tiger Lane or Tiger Alley is, is the new place. Is that acceptable, or do you think this is a temporary home while they try and find whatever the new forever home is going to be for Memphis and May? And does it need to be in Memphis, or can the competition move somewhere else and still be Memphis and May? You know, I know that attendance was down both years that they had it uh, at Tiger Lane uh, in 2011 and then more recently. So I think that, um, you know, that is a huge concern. Uh, People obviously don't want to go to Tiger Lane uh, to visit or um, partake of of the barbecue competition. So I don't think that's a viable option long term. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I think... You know, Memphis has always tried to move things down to DeSoto County, where I live, down in Mississippi. You know, I don't, I don't think that's been very successful. The Mid-South Fair, um, obviously, has, has not done nearly as well as it did um, at Tiger Lane when it was when it was over there. So, um, you know, that was back in the 80s and 90s. I, I'm just not sure. You know, I think that they're going to need to find a venue somewhere um, in Shelby County, uh, you know, whether that's... Uh, out, you know, toward Germantown and Cordova area, there's a nice uh, Shelby Farms out there that that might be uh, a, a great option. Uh, but you know, it's not my circus and not my clowns anymore. That's right, and we'll continue to track that as it happens here. So let's switch gears a little bit. And during the pandemic, I found Barbecue Showdown on Netflix and watched season one. Thought it was uh, really good. There was a subsequent season two as well how does this whole thing come to you are you actively seeking to get on television or are you fielding a phone call saying hey melissa we'd love to pitch you an idea on a show you know i i'm not i'm not comfortable um being in front of a camera so i i don't seek opportunities uh like i should i get fussed out a whole lot by a lot of people uh you know i I really, I don't like crowds for sure. I don't like standing up talking in front of people. Um, I don't actively seek this. I would say zero. Um, and I turn down probably 95% of the things that come my way just because it's it's not in my comfort zone. So is it just the the whole publicness that isn't in the comfort zone or is it also opportunity coupled with the fact that maybe it's not the most comfortable thing to you makes it easier to turn down um i just i you know i'm just not one of those people who seeks the limelight i don't you know i hate the haters you know and they show up every time that you put yourself out there um and i think that they feel like that if you put yourself out there that they um you know have the right to to jump on and, and say whatever it is that they feel like they need to be heard about. And, you know, for me, that's, it's hard for me to put myself out there. So you decide to go with the show 
and now we're in uh, you've, you've done season two what do you like about these two shows or these two seasons versus any of the other television that you've done how do they, how are they similar how are they different uh, well obviously there's uh, people wanting to compete um, and and cook good food I think with the barbecue showdown the thing that I like about it is there's there's no drama created Um you know, it's it's really just an evolution of a barbecue competition over eight episodes. Um, and casting does a fantastic job of getting our competitors. Our executive producer, Daniel Callen, is one of the best. Um, he is so passionate about, about that show. Um, and he's done some other great work. And, um, you know, he really allows us to be who we are. Uh, you know, he, he thinks about, um, you know, what 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 would Melissa do? Um, which you know is important to me. So um, you know, there's not a big script, and um, you know the part that is scripted. He'll say, "Hey, you know, do you want to change any of this? Does it does this look right?" Which for me is important because I want to make sure that you know I don't have somebody in New York or LA um, trying to sound like me. Do you get a lot of input on how the show's running or what the concept for the second season is going to be versus the first season? Um, yeah, I would say, um, on the third season, um, is, uh, I've been asked a lot more, um, but I've always, you know, he's, he's just so cool. He, you know, he's, what do you think about this? And, you know, I always have an opinion, but, um, he's just so easy to work with and, and he, he, um, takes what I say and uses it usually. So let's switch gears to business. You have this barbecue supply store. I'm wondering if I had a barbecue central barbecue sauce or some type of knickknack, do I have the ability to reach out to a Melissa Cookston or maybe you have a designated buyer uh, that I can get into the store or is there a different process for that? You're setting me up here, aren't you? Well, I have nothing. I have nothing to sell. I'm just wondering. I'm sure no, somebody else does. But there are five million other people that do <laughs> yeah. that listen to your show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you know, we get stuff dropped off a lot. We get stuff in the mail a lot. Um, you know, and and I get a lot of emails. And really, it kind of comes down to to what we'll sell. Um, you know, uh, it's not a grill, you know, the, it can't sit there for two years. There's, there's a shelf life on it. So, um, you know, it, it has to move. So we have to work together in order to, to figure out a marketing plan in order to get it to move. And, you know, I sell my rubs and sauces to other people. So mm. I know what that's like and how difficult that can be in some markets. How are you able to determine or is it just best guess and industry experience when you're bringing something and you think it's going to move? you know, pretty well as you bring it in. It is a total shot in the dark wow. sometimes. It's, you know, it's, um, I've been very lucky in a lot of, a lot of aspects um, of the restaurant and, and the retail store too, but I've made some bad calls. You know, I've had to uh, fill the garbage cans up a couple times. That's all right. Um, but, you know, I've been really surprised uh, pleasantly by a lot of things too. So, um, you know, this is my first foray into retail and, um, it's fun. I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's my fun job. What cookers are selling well out of your store? Uh, Primo's, Traeger's, um, those are my top two. 
There is a World Junior Barbecue League Championship coming up that I want to talk about here over the next couple minutes. Tell me a little bit about uh, this whole thing, how it comes together, and what's going to be happening at the end of the month. Yep. October the 21st, we will have the World Junior Barbecue League World Championship. We have uh, a team from Guatemala and a team from Cayman Brock, which is a smaller island outside of Grand Cayman. But we went to those places and had these competitions this year, and the winners will be here. And um, I'm also bringing some celebrities. So um, eight contestants from Barbecue Showdown and uh, a few from Barbecue Pitmasters. And we're, they're going to come cook, um, do sampling. We're just going to have a great time while these kids compete, uh, ages 14 to 18. And I will tell you, Greg, they can cook their ass off. So is this something that you devised? Like, I, I want to help kids learn how to cook or just a passion to give back? How does the whole thing come to be in the beginning? Um, I, I was asked to, to judge the um, Texas State Barbecue Championship for Food Network. And, um, you know, the only teenagers I'd been around are the ones that worked for me. And, you know, so I wasn't real interested. Um, but I went and I realized very quickly that these kids thought they were cooking barbecue, but they were learning so much more. The, the you know, core values, life skills. Um, they were just so respectful, you know, and they really wanted to talk about their philosophies of cooking barbecue. And I said, you know what? There's more places than the state of Texas that need to be doing this. So I came home and started the foundation. Of course, then COVID hit. Um, so we've had uh, three years of the world championship. It's a $25,000 purse for these kids. Wow. We have a couple minutes left. I am going to end on this question. I asked Mark the same thing. Maybe you heard the, the tail end of it. We had American Royal this past weekend. Uh, Jack Daniels is coming up here. Uh, to win one or the other, either the Invitational or the Jack Guaranteed, which one do you take and why? Um, you know, they're both Invitationals. I think I think in order to – when you get there, you've, you've done something. Um, you know, I'll take a win anytime I can get it if there's three teams there. Uh, I don't care. I want to win. The Jack has such a stigma attached to – um, you know, walking up that hill with your banner and eating at the lodge and and eating at Miss Mary Bobo's in the square and going to the Jack Daniels Distillery that I find you, you don't have that at the Kansas City Royal. But the American Royal is so huge. Yeah. There's so many people there that I think you feel like you've you've won maybe a little more just because, you know, the open people are there as well for the invitational. So you feel like you've beat a million people when you win that. So I might take the American Royal. Melissa Cookston is here talking to us. You can go to her website, melissacookston.com, see what she's up to. And don't forget about the World Junior Barbecue League World Championships that's taking place on October 22nd. And we'll be looking to see who ends up winning that. I'm happy to share that on the show the following Tuesday as well. Most great to catch up with you. It's been too long. Uh, the last time you were on the show, I'm embarrassed to say, May 2018. Shame on me, Melissa. What am I doing over here? It's outrageous. You know, you didn't invite me to the party. And what did I say? I never seek opportunities That's to be right. on camera. Well, uh, lesson learned. <laughs> and I will make sure that doesn't happen again. Uh, always appreciate the time. Thanks so much for coming on, Melissa. Thanks, Greg. That's Melissa Cookson right there. Back and better than ever, weighing in on all topics and always happy to have her on the show. I can't believe. See, I'm always under the impression that things are, you know, two or three years ago. But in actuality, 
indeed not. Four years. <sighs> Wait. My math is bad. Five years. <laughs> Here's a new poll question of the week. Am I really bad at math? Yes. May 2018. That's five years. I'm sorry. So, I will not let that happen again. Number one. Number two. Great interview as always. I'm very interested to see what happens at that World Junior Barbecue League World Championship on October 21st. All right, let's go ahead and get ready to wrap the first hour. I got some emails to get through here, so stick with me. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, we thank Melissa Cookson for joining us last segment. MelissaCookson.com, her website. If in town, check out her barbecue supply store on the Netflix Barbecue Showdown. She wrote a great barbecue book, Smoking in the Boys' Room, acclaimed. And she believes that people that are not returning their carts are worse than people who don't cover their grills. By the way, agreed. Agreed. Jamie is writing the show. Greg goes on and on about his hosting abilities. Also, Greg, oops, let me take you off mute as I host this live show I was just bragging about. (laughs) Just kidding, brother. Brother. (laughs) I do admire your interview skills very much. Regards, Jamie. Jamie, thank you for writing it. And you're not kidding. Why is this just playing incessant? I guess I usually have a couple more minutes. You know what? I'll just wait. Dennis in Colorado is writing in. Greg, first of all, the background change is awesome on the video. It was great to see Jason Baker in your studio. I'm glad he stood up to the giant and came out on the other side stronger. I was happy that the segment got extended. What a great interview. Great correspondence segment. Loved it. Instead of Ember's TV, I'd rather see Barbecue Central Show TV. Outstanding show. Regards, Dennis. Dennis, the embedded correspondent from Colorado. Officially unofficial, by the way. I don't know if we're going to be having Barbecue Central Show TV ever. I have reached out to Bradley Robinson from... Chud's Barbecue, he's part of that Embers TV. Tried to get him on tonight, actually, but his significant other is celebrating a birthday, so he has a life, and he wasn't able to join us tonight. Also, I leveraged him to let Jeremy Yoder know, who's Mad Scientist Barbecue on the YouTubes and social media, that I'm looking for an interview. I think he was one of the main creators of Ember Television, if I'm not mistaken. I might be mistaken. And then, of course, Matt Grork is coming up here in the next week or so. So we'll be covering a lot of Embers TV, or at least by one person. I didn't get a return booking from Brad yet, but I imagine we'll see him before the end of the year. 
Nick in New York City is writing in. Greg, I am a new listener about a year to the show. I have heard you mention rules of the show a few different times. Are those posted somewhere? And how many rules are there? I want to make sure I am following the rules of my day-to-day life. Podcast listener only. Nick in the Big Apple. Nick, I'm glad you asked why absolutely there are rules to the show. They number five at this point, but the list can grow at any point if the rule makes sense. Number one rule, no names, please. That means we're not calling anybody out by name. If we say rule number one applies in this case, that's what we mean. No names, please. We're not using anybody's name on this show. Number two, don't get hooked. What does that mean? It means maybe you're having a back and forth. Maybe you don't realize it, but somebody who's interacting with you might be doing it in an antagonistic type way, trying to draw you into a fight. Don't get hooked. Be better than that. Be the bigger person. Number three, probably the most common used rule on this show. If it's free, it's me. Yeah, that's right. A rule that should apply to everything in life. If it's free, it's me. Implement it immediately. Rule number four. If the meat is good, something good is going to happen. Absolutely. Brought to you by Kit Polk of Canned Heat. Man, that's an amazing poll by me. I can't believe I just got that off the top of my head. But I remember a rule when it was spawned. And rule number five is brought to you from my mom, Connie Rampy, Barbecue Central Show's guest hall of famer. Don't snappy snap on the Snapchat. Don't do that. Many, many years ago, she said, don't snappy snap on the Snapchat. That's rule number five. So once again, very quickly, no names, please. Don't get hooked. If it's free, it's me. If the meat is good, something good is going to happen. Don't snappy snap on the Snapchat. Nick, those are the rules. Implement them in your daily life starting tomorrow, since you're a podcast listener only, because you're going to get hour number one tomorrow, Wednesday, as you're listening to this. At whatever time that is, at the end of this hour, you are now rules savvy to the show. There have been at least three different times over the last five years where a rule has been, a new rule has been proposed. It's been good enough to implement, and I've totally forgotten. That's my fault. I want to say I got to keep a pad of paper by me, but all I really need to do is open up my phone and either type it into the phone notes app or voice record it. I should have a potential rules voice folder and just spit them into there so I don't forget them. Some of them were good, I think. Nevertheless, the same five rules that have been around for 10 plus years are still in effect. Rules do not change. The rules list will only grow as time goes on. There's your first hour. When we come back, we will have the top of the second hour takes. We'll get you all set up and then we have a couple great interviews coming up as well. So why don't we do this? I'm going to refresh my libation. I suggest you do the same. And then let's say we all meet back here in about 45, 50, 60 seconds. That's a minute. And then we'll have hour number two of the show. Why not? Good idea? We'll see you then. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show.